participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations with which they work. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general in nature. You should always consider your situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Did I say that? You did say that. And don't say it again. Don't say it again because I pushed the button, all right? And uh, Yeah, and and that gets you know, that gets double deleted and written over, right? (laughs) That's right. That's that's a long stall warning. That's right. I should have heard that stall horn going on way before I opened my mouth. <laughs> so did you see this story? Uh, so who was it? Somebody came out uh, with a report uh, that uh, a whole bunch of major airports are going to like go underwater from climate change. Yeah, there's a number of uh, uh, several hundred at-risk airports, uh, ones that are basically below 25 feet uh, yeah. MSL. This is like, well, yeah. Uh, uh, let me hang on a second because... I, I don't think it's a real big problem. I just suggest everybody adapt to floats. That's well, right. Just get, <laughs> just become amphib, right? Just get, just, you know, get well, the space is already designated an airport, and you know, flow plane people have such a hard time finding bodies of water that don't try to restrict them out of using it. So you're saying this is a good thing, is what you're saying? Well, I'm saying for, it's not. I'm not saying class. it's a good thing. I'm saying it's you know, it's an opportunistic thing. It's an opportunity. It's a lemonade thing. Right. Jab, yeah. you're fighting with what I'm fighting. This is this. I was talking about this earlier. This is. I'm going to go on another one of my anti PDF rants here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I wanted to look at the list that was part of this report. I wanted to see what the 20 major airports were. And so you op- you click on the link, and it doesn't take you to a web page. It takes you to a PDF file, all right? And then you have to, like, scroll through this PDF file to find the list. And it's, it's, Can't you know, search. You can do a Control-F and search. I, I... Well, you know the original. You know the original. I know one airport that was that would be affected, and that's where my airplane is right now. And that's Venice, yeah. Florida, which is yeah. 18 feet above sea level. Yeah, yeah. well, and... and the, but Now, where's this list? It's about, is it on average? No, well, yeah, it's, there's a link to it in the AbWeb story. That's what I started to look at here. And you click on the links that says those airports, and that those opens are- up the PDF file, all right? And then now you can go get coffee and come back in a while when it opens actually, up. Actually, you know, actually, the very first place that jumps to mind, when I when, all I had to do was see the, the, the headline and the summary. And the very first place that jumped to mind for me was uh, uh, First Flight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And well. the National Monument. The very first well, place where aviation occurred, you know, I actually lined up underwater. Hang I on a second. I think it's far enough inland and over the dunes that uh, it might not be directly impacted. Yeah. I've got the PDF open. First flight is like, I mean, that those barrier islands are all in danger anyways. They're going to disappear completely. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It, it just takes, a, you know, one big hurricane and they're gone, you know. I mean, that's happened, actually. There's been, it has. There's been yeah. new waterways cut through those things because of a big hurricane. So that's, but that's really, you're right, that is sad. I hadn't even thought of that. Isn't it tragic, though? I, I mean, I, this is the way, it, the perverse way that this hit me. Was it and this is only a 90-page document, Jack. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, a little slack is in order here. 
What, you're uh, saying that somehow justifies publishing it as a PDF? I'm sorry, laziness does not... No, what I'm saying is... The the original translation of PDF was pretty damn frustrating. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Pulling through a file is related to the length of the file, not the fact that it's a PDF. Yeah, well... And if there's a table of contents, it tells you what you you know answers your question. Then you can go directly to the page. Yeah, and if it weren't a PDF, you could put a link that jumped specifically to the page that had the table I wanted. Because well, that's I, what I, link- I got a I got a PDF from some funky magazine in Florida today, where I wanted to finish reading uh, letters to the editor, <coughs> jump from page two to you know page thirty-two or something like that. <coughs> Anyways, twenty airports, twenty major airports. Um, a couple or more than a couple were close to my heart, boss. Boston Logan Airport is on the list. That makes sense. It's Only like, twenty airports. Well, these are the twi- probably the twenty most significant ones. You know. Oh, okay, okay. I was All right. Say. Because I mean, like you know, Kennedy's, because if first flight's not on the list, Kennedy, we know here. that there's a lot more. Um, both Oakland and San Francisco, from uh, from where sure. I started to fly, uh, not on the list, but but obviously at risk is my home airport, or my my uh, you know my Genesis Airport, if you will, Palo Alto, which is six feet above sea level, uh, right there on the edge of uh, the southern end of San Francisco Bay. As a matter of fact, there was a big, um, oh, it must be now 10, 15 years ago, there was a really really big uh, uh, rainstorm one time. And half that airport did, in fact, go underwater. Um, I have some interesting pictures of, of, I mean, of you, rows of airplanes parked in the water. You know, if look. you just think about the number of airports on coastal Florida, yeah, yeah, that, and 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 you still got to go a good ways inland before you get uh, high enough above sea level before it stops affecting airports. Yeah. Well, but imagine I, imagine first flight airport turning into a, a monument along the lines of the USS Arizona. You can take a boat out to look at it, but you can't actually touch it anymore because it's underwater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, all this, you know, where I am, you know, where this, um, the, the house I'm speaking to you, here's a list of there. The house I'm speaking to you. <laughs> you just like found print, it now, see? Okay. Well, I had to scroll. There's it, The search, uh, uh, Control-F search is disabled for some reason. Aha. Or maybe right. it's not disabled. <laughs> I just couldn't find the I, this. I've got a new installation of Acrobat, and it's. I love this, it. Aha. <laughs> all right. Do it again, so, Jack. Do it again. What do you think about the list? Uh, it's all commercial airports. It doesn't have anything to do with GA. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it's just the Sacramento. Uh, Sacramento's out in the Delta. That's uh, at or below all, twenty-two feet above mean sea level. Major airports at or below twenty-two feet above mean sea level. Field elevation were verified using navair.com. Uh, airport list. How many airports? Twenty airports. Twenty-two commercial airports. Sacramento commercial airports within twenty-two feet of, of uh, mean sea level. Wow! There's think about think the hundreds airport, and hundreds of GA fields that are in. National airport doesn't apply. No, no, national airports higher above sea level than twenty. Yeah, this well, is wrong data. This is this is that wrong. segment. No, 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 no. That section of that section of the Potomac is that title? It must be, or is it? No, not? it is. Well, it, 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 it damn near is. Yeah. Then, then it's oh. then it's close to sea level if it's no. tidal. Well, it. it if you think Field about how sea level like rising would push feet. back the levels of some rivers, yeah. uh, then that's completely conceivable. Hey, it's a ninety. It's a ninety oh, well, page PDF. He's right. No, they're right. The field elevation's fifteen feet. Damn, I didn't know that. So I don't know what's to be done. This is a part of a much bigger problem, which is that as well, it is, and we're not going to solve it today as sea level uh, rises. But uh, well, like I said, 
you designate all the places that are designated landing areas now, designated seaplane bases, and you let people fly out of them and floats, and you tell the people that don't want them there, too bad, it's been an airport for years. Yeah. Well, you know, so, some of these airports, it wouldn't be too bad, too big a loss, like Philly and LaGuardia. Uh, <laughs> you really don't now, like LaGuardia, now. do you? La garbage. La garbage. What's your problem with La Guardia? I mean, because uh, you can it, it just converts so easily to La garbage. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, that's then. Then that pretty, much says it, that pretty much says it all. Right there. Newark, Na- Ohio, yeah, Newark. Yeah, that counts. Na- National is not much difference when you think about water being at both ends of the main runway. Yeah. Well, I take it back. At, at National, there is that little park. That park is the best thing about National. I, yeah. A buddy of mine has a boat. He's. Um, uh, also a pilot, and we went out one night. I think alcohol was involved. Um, no, out on the boat, and you can get uh, right up in there next to that. It's called I don't forget what it's called, Dangerfield Point or something like that. Yeah. Um, um, you can get right up there on a boat uh, any time of day, for that matter. This is like ten or eleven at night, and we just shut the engine off and let the boat drift, and parked ourselves right under, like you know. This is, I don't know, 300 feet from the threshold of the runway. Okay. So we're just right there. And I bet you can't on do the, that now. The, you know, this was post-9-11. Was it really? Oh, yeah. This I, used to, rent, three I used to rent Sunfish and Flying Scots huh? from a little place about three miles south of uh, the uh, ILS array. That, that wasn't the punchline. Let me finish. Oh, sorry. So we're, we're sitting there, and again, alcohol was involved, and we're having the airplanes come over. And the reason we did this was to catch the vortices. Yeah. Okay. And we're just sitting there, and it's it's after the jet goes over, and it lands off in the distance, and it's deathly quiet, and you hear this ripping sound yeah. through the air. And the water, if, if, if you're in, in the right spot, the water just starts to ripple. It's like fish feeding. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you're like, dude, I don't want to fly through that. And it's, it's very educational. Yeah, it really is. I, I experienced a similar thing, only I was in the park there that's just uh, outside the fence. And uh, if the conditions are right, you know, and this is long after the air. I mean, the airplane passes right over your head really loud, all right? Yeah. And then it disappears, not disappears, but it heads off in the distance and kind of goes to its touchdown point. And the sound is mostly receded off into the distance. But about the time that the sound has kind of it's gotten quiet again, suddenly you hear this whooshing, this kind of tornado-y yeah. sound yeah. almost. Yeah. And if the conditions were right, you actually see little tornadoes of dust mm-hmm. uh, on the ground. It's very, very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And apparently, and I'm Unfortunately, that, you can't get close enough to fly like they did in Pushing Chin. How was no, that? No, that's that's a little um, uh, a little, little embellished, maybe. There. What, what, what's that? Of what's course, they were always seven forty sevens. Well, that'd be a hell of a vortices to stand through. <laughs> that's 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 blowing. There's a great shot in uh, I think it was the first Die Hard movie, uh, yeah. towards the end where uh, I think it was like the bad guys were trying to take off somebody was trying to take off in a 747 and they ended up flying through a cloud of black smoke from a fire and apparently was second second uh, was it the second, second one? Movie, yeah. and they didn't and they apparently did this practically they didn't do it with like special effects or something and <laughs> and it was just a really cool image of the way the wingtip yeah. forces swirled the smoke it was very that, that was yeah. the one that was supposed to be set at Dulles airport and at one right. point Bruce Willis is using a payphone that says Pacific Bell <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, don't get me started about that. <laughs> nobody, will, no, nobody will be able to look at it at the payphone. <laughs> Let me make this thing official by saying, welcome, folks, to episode number 72. 72? 72 of Uncontrolled 72. Airspace, the General well, yeah, Aviation don't feel Podcast. A day over 58. We're recording this podcast on uh, Friday evening, March 14, 2008. And, uh, and I've been working hard to get caught up, and we actually are now caught up. I've. I've uh, Post, I, I apologize to everyone, including you guys, because you've been very patient as, uh, as uh, it's taken me a little bit longer than I like to do the post-production on a lot of these podcasts. But, uh, but everything's put, but this is like a marathon week. I mean, listeners are, are and I know there are some yeah. listeners out there that are like just kind of, you know, going nuts with excitement, apparently. Um, it beats me, but apparently it's true, because they will have received three episodes of the podcast within a week. Wow. Um, so, because they got one on Monday, they got one uh, yesterday, Thursday, and this one should hopefully, knock on wood, uh, go up on like Sunday. So, uh, uh, but we're getting all caught up. I'm trying to get back onto my own. On standard. one hand, you know, you should have told me that because I didn't know that we were that far behind. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not any longer. But this, any- you know, this has just been a grueling week all the way around. I'm, I am very glad it's Friday. Yeah. Uh, yes. T G I freaking F. I don't know anybody uh, in my little circle who is not just uh, at wit's end uh, with workload and you know the stuff going on. It's just been one of those. Well, I this, feel like is, I feel like weak old hamburger. This is this is like the end of what's been a two week marathon. Yeah. Because last week uh, the bride and I just had so much stuff backed up and and, and and so many things on the table that we both wound up putting in way too many hours Saturday and Sunday. And it was one of those Mondays when, you know, when you kind of numbly fire up the computer for the first time and you kind of go, uh, wasn't I just here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did I do over the weekend? Oh, yeah, I was just here. Yeah. Well, I'll let you guys rest while I say hello to the two of you. Uh, I want to say hi to the gang here in the virtual hangar tonight. Uh, one of those voices out there is Jeb Burnside. Jeb is an aviation journalist, a uh, a, a pile of of <laughs> old hamburger. I think is what he said. A pile a pile of what? Weak nope. old hamburger. Weak old hamburger. That's what he said. That's what he said. He's currently, uh, and and keeping that wonderful image in mind, he's currently serving as editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. <laughs> he's talking to us tonight from Sarasota, Florida. Hi, Jeb. Hi, Jack, and hi, Dave. And, and I guess one of the reasons I feel like weak old hamburger is I was out doing some aviating earlier this week. Uh, just where'd you go? Me- Can you tell us about it? Um, just a lot of little round robins. We, we uh, I was doing a project for Aviation Consumer Magazine. We were trying to do some uh, headset tests. You mentioned this, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this in the airplane, and um, we thought the weather weather forecast was supposed to be you know no issues, no problems, et cetera, et cetera. We launch. Gosh, I guess this is Wednesday morning. Launch out of Venice, trying to get up to Lakeland in my airplane. And get to cruising altitude and and uh, get a get a handoff. And the guy says, "Oh, by the way, have you guys checked the Beatus uh, at Lakeland?" And we're like, "No, but I think we will." And come up, Lakeland is like a hundred overcast, one eighth of a mile, and the glide slopes in up. <laughs> Welcome to paradise. Welcome to paradise. So we like, well, you know, I think we'll just turn around and go back. So turned around, went back to Venice, shot the GPS approach to get into Venice, full procedure with the procedure turn. 
landed in Venice, found the runway right where we left it. Um, taxied in, shut down, milled about smartly for an hour or so, waited for Lakeland to come up. Uh, launched again, another IFR departure. Um, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, into uh, uh, Lakeland. Shot the localizer only approach into Lakeland down to minimums. Found the runway at the last possible moment before going missed. Uh, landed, uh, regrouped, took off again. IFR climbed up through the the clag, uh, got on top of that stuff, motored on up towards Ocala. Um, doing our headset test. There's four of us in the airplane. Da 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 da. Come back again. You know, down through the clag. We're getting vectored for the VOR approach at Lakeland, and boom, fields in sight. Um, clear to visual on the ground. Go get lunch. By this, by, by after lunch, of course, it clears up. So we we get the motor on home, but you know, in VFR. But I was just dead meat at the end of that one. Uh, I didn't. I didn't sign up for any of that. Uh, I thought it was going to be a nice, clear, smooth day. Yeah, really. And that's that's kind of the, the mentality. Yeah, really. When, when, when you don't when you don't turn the key with that mindset. Yeah. That you know today's going to be hand to hand combat yeah. with the weather. Right. It really does kind of throw your game a little bit. Yeah, well, well, it's, it's well, and it's even stressful when you do. I mean, when you, but. Uh, at least you know, you know, you go into it with that mindset, and it's just different somehow. Yeah, well, I got, I got my IPC, I got my IPC out of the way without even trying. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And that other voice there is Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor uh, for Kit Planes magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine. And he's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. How you, David? Doing good. Doing good. Friday night. Got some lineys. Yeah. Now, uh, now you said something something un- something special about your beer tonight. What? What? Yeah. Well, ran out ran out of scotch last ran out of beer Tuesday scotch last night. So went over to well, that's just the, bad planning. I mean, to the oh, neighborhood uh, beverage uh, distributor that uh, we do business with, and uh, figured I'd just grab a twelve pack of lineys and was you know I thought the big decision was going to be red or creamy dark, and got there and there was a new face in the in the cooler, big butt Doppelbach. <laughs> I'm big? not I'm not making this up. All right, hang big on. butt Doppelbach, and it's butt with two T's, and it shows two. Looks like uh, mountain goats butting heads between the name Lining Kugels and Big Butt. But what really grabbed me was when we were talking a little earlier, Red the Band. Oh, it's a Liney's beer. Okay, yeah. All right. right, it's a Liney's beer. And oh. a Northwoods favorite brewed in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin by 73 people who care. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, that, that, how much does it leave out? And uh, nothing, and yeah. uh, so we had to grab this, and uh, it is not a disappointment. Yeah, so you like it? What is, it looks from the from the bottle, it looks like it's a dark beer. Is it very dark? Uh, I don't know. I put a little, you know, I put a little whoa, wet whoa, whoa, suit whoa, whoa, over whoa. the beer, and whoa, 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 whoa. yeah, up. it's kind of dark. The, I can't see through it. it. Jack, how can you see the bottle? I, I'm, I'm looking at at this at a web page on the, I'm on the, oh. the internet, man. 
the internet. <laughs> see, I, I'm I'm just drinking milk tonight. I'm that whipped. So I see. Okay. No, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a website that I just happened to find through Google that shows. No, the only one thing of the I'm sorry about is that I didn't bring four of them out here. So it's sort of yeah. in keeping with uh, with uncontrolled airspace. It shows two uh, two two sort of horned animals ramming heads against each other. It's like yes. And and one's labeled Dave, <laughs> and the other's labeled Jeb. And, yeah, uh, our new logo. Yeah. How did right. they know? Our new logo, our new logo. And before I forget, I am Jack Hodgson. Yay! A, a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. I'm up here in Boston, Massachusetts. I uh, Now, see, I have a new toy I wanted to kind of quickly mention. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. That I... Uh, I I've for some, some time now, I had a cell phone that I bought um, like five years ago. And, and when I got it five years ago, it was old. Because like the month after I got it, they discontinued it. All right, so it, it was it was just a brutally old cell phone, and but it did the job. I mean, I talk on it, and uh, you know they could you could hear me, and I could hear you, and so that was fine. Um, and but now in the five years in between, cell phones have changed a lot, and they've become much more than just voice phones. Where they want to do data, and they want to do text, and they want to do all these things. And so a part of me wants one of these to be able to do this, but another part of me desperately does not want to sign up for another two-year cell phone contract. So I was really dragging my feet on upgrading my phone or getting a new phone or, you know, trying all kinds of alternatives here. You were stretching the antenna. Yeah. So, But then what happened was um, I was working on this project uh, over the last month or so that I mentioned in the before um, with a bunch of Apple people, and they all had their Apple iPhones. And watching them all work with their Apple iPhones for, for three, three, four weeks just tipped me over the edge. And so I went out and bought myself an Apple iPhone, and I'm very, I'm very pleased with it. Um, it's, you know, it's a little pricey, but it's not it's not you know incredibly expensive and uh and it just does all kinds of cool things i mean i you know i mean it's not only the voice telephone but it's a web browser and it's a text message and it's got uh, it's got this cool location technology it does not have gps in it all right this is like maybe this is how i'm going to curve it back to aviation all right it does not have gps in it it has this technology that um i, I wish i knew the name of the outfit cuz apple con- you know uh, licensed it from somebody but what it basically does is it triangulates off of the signal strength of like cell phone towers but also they apparently go through populated areas and do a survey of things like people's Wi-Fi networks and and, ev- uh-huh. and and even if the Wi-Fi networks are protected just being able to get the ID number and the signal strength and correlate that with the known position they are able to use that to do triangulation too and as a result without GPS my this phone you push the button and it's able, it gets very very close at at telling you on the map it, it uses google maps and tells well, you where you are so. there is a website i came across and it's been a couple of years since i looked at it uh but a guy then there's hardware software uh maybe it's just software and you use your own laptop that'll sniff and plot uh record uh wireless networks as you encounter them yeah well this guy in a, in a buddy of his <clears throat> got in a skyhawk and flew over Southern California and plotted every single Wi-Fi that they could find. And believe me, there were hundreds, if not oh, yeah. thousands of them. Oh, yeah. sure. And uh, there's a website you know, uh, that the guy converted all this data and, and, and mapped it out. And uh, I'll, I'll you know, try to find a link to it or something yeah. like that. But I was fascinated by that. Not, not just that there were that many Wi-Fi uh, installations out there, but but that you could sniff them from altitude. Yeah, that is kind of interesting because you would think you'd get so many hits, it would just be impossible to sort it all out. 
I've been experimenting with using this now because I've got a web browser built into it um, that I can use either if I've got a Wi-Fi connection or I can go through the cell phone system. And uh, I've been experimenting with the systems for getting uh, getting like Duat's briefings and uh, weather information and so forth. And uh, well, did did you have to go with AT and T on this? I did have to go with AT. I didn't. Well, I guess I, I had kid, to. The kid in Louisville, Kentucky, developed a workaround for that. Yeah, yeah, no, there are there are there are ways to break break open the Apple phone and, and high, high high school kid he figured it out in less than a month after the phone came out. Yeah, right. and uh, got hired. He's still in high school now. I think he was a sophomore, and got hired by some East Coast software development right. and systems company. Right off the bat, they like paying him forty grand a year to work during the summers. They gave him a car. But he yeah. it, and he put this on on the net. Yeah, the problem is that both Apple and AT and T are so discouraging of that that every time a new version of the iPhone software comes out, it breaks those things, and then right. then the kid has to redo it, and you have to redo it, and it's you know it's sort of a of a of a pitched battle that's going on. So I, I may do that at some point, but for the time being, I'm totally happy with it, and uh, and unfortunately now I'm locked into AT and T for a couple of years anyways. But I figure a couple of years will go by before I know it. And uh, well, about a year ago, I had to have my old phone replaced. It was three and a half years old when I got it. The technology had changed so much they couldn't download my uh, uh, electronic phone book anywhere. Uh, that's how things had moved on. But the really toughest part about uh, deciding how to replace the phone yeah. was beating the sales guy over the head with the mantra, I don't want a camera, I don't want a web browser, uh, I don't care about text. How about a phone? Yeah. 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 Well, good luck with that. Well, it took 20 minutes. I bet. Yeah. It yeah. took 20 minutes. He said, You mean you just want? I said, Yeah. How about? And as a phone, it's mediocre. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I was going to go that route, and then I just sort of got taken in by the, by the, uh, you know, people call it Steve Jobs' reality distortion field. And, uh, um, so I have my iPhone now, and I'm happy, and it's cool, and I'm figuring out how to use it for aviation-related things. It's it's going to be neat. I'll report more as time goes on. It's a very small screen, but uh, it's not like you could really use it like in flight. I know that's one thing you're you're hankering for, Jeb. But uh, well, but, yes and no. I, I mean, I think you can use it in flight. The issue is more of um, cell hopping as it is. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, actually, you can't use a cell phone. Off the ground, it's against F- FCC a, regulations. FCC regs, right. I think if you go read the FCC regulations, you'll find that the prohibition against using cell phones while in the air addresses the older analog technology Ooh. and well, not that would the be newer cool. s- newer digital technology. I will look into that. Really, I will look. Yeah, into I that. think that if you go cool it, if because it's different parts of the FCC regs and uh-huh. the part that deals with. The digital uh, uh, cell phone technology do, does not have any any such prohibition. Now, I'm not an attorney, and uh, I don't know FCC law that well, but I have poked around in that in the past, and I believe that is the case. There, I don't I don't think there is any current prohibition from the FCC on the current technology cell phones. Interesting. Well, if anybody's an attorney and has a leg up on this, you know, I'm, I'm happy to come. I, you know, I'm happy to be. Uh, be corrected on that but well, uh, I'll do some research and report yeah. back yeah. so speaking of uh, hanging out around National Airport and doing suspicious things yeah. uh, 
we had a uh, GA aircraft wander naively oh, people, people, into people. the is this past week and just caused yet another one of these fire drills and unbelievable. I just... Do you guys know anything more? I've just read about this in the press. I, I, well, there, there's I only, two, I only know two, what I've read in the newspapers. Yeah. yeah, I don't know anything more. The, the, apparently, the um, errant pilot had just bought the airplane that day. In fact, the previous owner who had sold it to him that day lives here in the Sarasota area. Uh, and it was uh, apparently a local airplane. I don't know the airplane at all. Um, but this was out of, uh, I don't know, what was it, East Jibit, Pennsylvania? No, he was... Uh, Leesburg, uh, wasn't it? It was Fredericksburg. No, that's where they sent him. Oh, he, he, oh, he landed at Leesburg. He, he was flying from, I think, Frederick... No, that's not right. Some other uh, place in Maryland. I'll think of it in a moment. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a place in suburban Maryland, yeah. uh, north, north of D.C. Going to uh, Winchester, I believe, or, or somewhere in West Virginia. And uh, he kind of took a left turn. Uh, and ended up in the in the eighties, and they got intercepted. Apparently, uh, two F sixteen scrambled, um, as well as a Coast Guard uh, uh, Blackhawk, and uh, kindly escorted him to to Leesburg. Um, people, 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 this just kills us, man. It, it really us. does. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, when you see all these little white buildings and stuff that start getting you know more numerous and taller as the further you go east or, or southeast or whatever you might want to turn around or you know find out where the hell you are because um certain areas of the country it doesn't matter but dc area is not one of them yeah we, we, um, we, we, on the other hand this just makes me angry because it's such well, a stupid rule to begin well, it with. is it is a stupid rule but it is still in place the, there, there's two there's two things on going that. on here i mean you can you can rail against the, the, the stupidity of all this and the and the uh, the the patent ridiculousness of it just as you can you know tsa and it's it's uh, um, storm trooper thugs but um, this is not new this has been in place now since '03, um, it's it's nothing new. It's it's on the charts. Um, we've talked about it. We've we've uh, uh, it's been in all the papers, shall we say? There is no one out there <clears throat> flying an airplane who has any business flying an airplane who doesn't or shouldn't know that this thing exists. Yeah, it's it's just absurd. Uh, it's, it's absurd on several counts. Uh, it's absurd that it exists. It's absurd that people don't know it exists. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we're not going to rehash the debate no. uh, or, yeah. or the reasons why it's BS. Uh, that's I right, mean, because that's we never weird. rehash any subject. We, uh, no, we, <laughs> I mean, we never wear out any topics that's at right. all. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, yeah. just it, all, all it needs at this point is, is it bears reminding people. Yeah. It exists. Yeah. Uh, we, we are not winning debate on common sense right. right now, which means that screwing this puts you at risk and puts your life at risk. Yeah. I, I'm scared to death of the time when somebody's going to screw this up at night well, and doesn't recognize, doesn't recognize that those aircraft going back and forth in front of them are people who are armed. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, I do, I, I, I really worry about that. Somebody that spaces out enough to stumble into this situation to begin with, after dark, it's completely conceivable to me that they'd be confused enough to kind of go, why, why are all these guys getting so close to me? Don't they know that, you know, and maybe have the realization, if not late enough to get their butts shot down, late enough to send a panic and elevate the, 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 the star level of the news story onto the front page of every paper in the country if they start evacuating the White House again or Congress again. Uh, it's just nuts. Don't go there, folks. Yeah, don't go there. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you know, I don't think there's, there's, e- be- there's even a course on the Internet on, on uh, dealing with that. ALPA well, ALPA has, has, has a, a course, and I'm, I'm FAA has a lot of reference material on it on their website. Uh, FAA has a very good uh, course that's that's basically FAA sanctioned, if not FAA approved. Um, I, one final thing on the on the eight is just, yeah, just one final thing. This thing has been in place again since nineteen. I'm sorry, since two thousand three. So we're looking at uh, as of basically this month five years. And there have been something on the order of two thousand some odd violations of it, uh, and that's that's a soft number simply because I don't think anyone really has a hard number right now. Um, as of whenever that number was counted, not a single one of any of those violations has been attributed to a would-be terrorist. It's all been inadvertent. Um, people not knowing where they're going or not paying attention. And it's even as, as simple and as stupid and as silly as squawking 1,200 uh, outside yeah. of otherwise controlled airspace yeah. it, or sticking a wingtip into the thing. Uh, it is absurd, but it is there. Yeah. And we, we unless you know we want to get shot at or grounded or just you know chewed up into beer cans here, folks, we need to respect it. Okay. Awfully uh, ineffective zone, it may be. Yeah. It's still a, a, a real live aid is, and they will hurt somebody if somebody screws up big enough. That's right. Let's see now. Uh, the FAA aviation on. forecast. I'm not sure if familiar with what this is. All I know is that the link you gave me goes to a PDF. <laughs> and I'm not this? going there right now. I put this? it in there to bring it up. Uh, I not sure from year to year how many of our fellow aviators realize that every year the FAA pumps out this forecast for the coming 5, 10, and 20 years. Actually, it's a combination of, of, of ranges. And they used to break out the general aviation stuff and do a separate forecast conference, but uh, they decided that we weren't a big enough impact on the system to really have to worry about that. It's funny, when they wanted to charge a user fee, we were a huge impact on the system, but not enough to warrant our own separate forecast conference. Anyway, the uh, link that will be here on the on, on the website for this when you download this uh, will take you to the forecast. You can look at what the FAA says the airline industry is going to do, what the general aviation community is going to do. 
uh, and kind of get an idea of where their thinking is because that's the document that kind of dictates where they want to start looking for money and how much money they want to right. look for. That was my question. So is the, the, my question was going to be, is this a good faith forecast or is this spun to tell their story? In my yes. experience, a, a, little of, a, a little of both. Yeah. Yeah, but primarily a good faith effort because the folks in the office that do this, this is basically what they do in it for a year. Mm-hmm is gather information, sift through it, and try to make sense of it to produce this big annual forecast. Uh, it is, you know, without a doubt, colored to a certain extent by the uh, by the agency's uh, view of the different communities and ebbs and flows some. But generally, it, I, I, th- I think the industry and the trade associations treat it as a pretty honest attempt to look ahead with a fairly consistent track record of being a little on the conservative side in, in a yeah. lot of areas. Yeah. I had I had the good fortune to meet some of these people a couple of years ago on behalf of a client. Um, and uh, they are well-meaning, um, hard-working, um, atypical uh, bureaucrats in that sense. Um, they, uh, you know... Are, are understaffed, uh, underpaid, underequipped um, to to do this job, but it's it's the lot that they've it's the straw that they've they've drawn. In, in, um, a, in a word, they're typical of the majority of the FAA staff. Right, right. That's a very good. I was going to get to that. That's a very good way to put it. Um, their data is the data. Uh, it's it's neither. Um, uh, good nor bad, it is the best that they can come up with with the tools they have. Um, and there's, and a there's, lot of it depends on industry input. You know, they ask industry questions, and the industry gives them answers that they think are accurate. Right. Um, you know, there's there's very the counting general aviation activity is extremely hard. That's right. Uh, and there's talk recently I see of of reinstituting the uh, the three year census where the FAA sends out a form um, to aircraft owners and they have to return the form uh, less their registration gets uh, dumped, gets uh, made invalid. Um, I, I don't know where I saw that, but I saw it here recently. Well, there's a, there's a proposal um, but, but the, to... The punch, uh, well, the point, the point I was going to try to make, though, is that no one really knows from year to year how many hours general aviation flies here's a here's a quote in here um page 20 of this report general aviation flight hours are estimated to have increased six tenths of one percent in 2007 to 27.7 million well that's straight out of the the a very dark place because no one knows no, I, you can, you I can, can, you I can, can you can count the number of gallons burned, and you can figure all this and figure all that. And those numbers are, are fairly accurate, but there's no real way to, to uh, measure general aviation activity. No, it's always a guesstimate. And yeah. uh, the uh, some of the big imp- significant elements that go into the forecast, I remember from attending the conferences over the years, are uh, tower operations. IFR flight plans and and en route handling of aircraft by the centers. Uh, you know that's primarily all IFR stuff. And uh, when when that goes up, they kind of assume 
it, that and when you know other other things like fuel, sure, sure, and some some you spit this out, David. Municipal airports Easy actually you. have somebody on the radio that kind of keeps tabs of you know full stops and and, mm-hmm. and overnights and parks and things. So they 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 really do a sincere effort. That registration thing you were talking about. To close that loop real quick. Right. Uh, there's a proposal to require a uh, new census of 100% of the owners because mm-hmm. they used to do one a year about mm-hmm. a third of everybody so every right. three years everybody got cycled through but they want to do a complete re-registration of everybody that has an aircraft mm-hmm. and uh, and then require that everybody redo it every three years at a hundred and thirty dollar yeah, fee that's, that's, every three yeah, years that's right that's what it was and uh, you know, we're, there's a there's a little bit of dissent in the ranks. That <laughs> this bit. is not this is not really you just a uh, guys because there are other ways and cheaper ways to to keep that registration census up to date. Yeah. Some of this is legitimately driven by changes in ICAO rules for aircraft registrations that have been pushed along by the U.S. as an anti-terrorism thing and as a way to to keep better financial track of. Uh, admittedly, very mobile assets. All right, I forget where we were here. We keep that's probably a good thing. We keep having these little side conversations that I'm clipping out because nobody really knows to know what we're talking. Sad about. cars, sad but, cars. Uh, what's the call? What's the Collier Trophy? Okay. Uh, the Collier Trophy is this very prestigious industry award that's given annually for uh, usually technical achievements that advance the state of the art in aircraft or engine design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that uh, this year uh, it was awarded to the team that's been working on the ADSB projects yeah. uh, is kind of significant because it's usually you know a machine rather than a piece of technology in a system. I see. Uh, do so they just the, give out one award a year, or is do they give out like yeah. a group? Of, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, just one. Well, that's kind of interesting, especially after last week we discovered that we were not so excited about ADSB and. Well, we were not so excited about the FAA's proposal for transitioning to ADSB. Oh, okay. Uh, to differentiate, we're still very excited about ADSB as a technology because of the promise it holds and what it could do. So getting back to the Collier Trophy, uh, not to put you on the spot, but can you tell us some things that have won it in the past? I mean, just to kind of put it in context. Uh, Citation 10 was a past winner. Uh, Jiminy, after that, I'd be winging it. Uh, Okay. Well, congratulations, though, to folks who... uh, Well... No? um, Jeb? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't don't disagree with anything Davis said. Uh, I guess my only comment would be... um, and, and AvWeb kind of did this much better than I will do it, um, but they um, really kind of did a little head scratching um, over the award of ADSB. Uh, I'm sorry, over the over the uh, uh, award being given to ADSB because it's really kind of an unfinished. 
So, so we, Dave's having all kinds of network problems here tonight, but uh, I'm not sure if we've got it under control, but we're going to marshal on here and uh, see if we can make this work. I okay, think Marshall. where we left it off, uh, Jeb, you were talking a little bit about uh, about a story that AvWeb wrote about this ADSB Collier trophy. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm having trouble with AvWeb tonight, um, so maybe it's infected Dave. Um, oh, I can't, so nice I can't of you to be company. This. Yeah, I can't pull this up as as readily as I would like. Other things that I'm doing here online are are, are coming up with uh, with no problems. But uh, um, basically, Avweb made the point that uh, uh, the Collier Trophy is supposed to go to you know achievements during the previous year. Um, the Citation 10 being a great example. Here's a a flying viable airplane. It's certificated. It uh, is actually the fastest. Um, certainly, BizJet, if not civilian aircraft out there, uh, cruises at Mach point in you know, what nine eight nine six nine uh, nine two nine two um, nine two right up there, and um, <clears throat> that was quite an achievement for Cessna for Absolutely. the Citation X development, Citation Ten development team. Here's ADSB being given the Collier Trophy. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a finished technology. Um, yes, it's been in use, but um, it's 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 uh, salad days are, are actually ahead of it, not behind right. it. So I, it's, I not just, a, it's not a matter of maturity to to, to argue in the technology's defense. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of maturity or technological soundness. It's a matter of uh, of use and adaptation of okay. the technology, yeah. Yeah. and. Uh, and, and and that's why it surprised me. I've never seen it, something like this get the Collier Trophy, but I kind of understood where they were coming from, and uh, you know, so it was a team of uh, team of people instead of an individual product achievement yeah. or a company that got the award. Um, you know, if only they'd just use it like 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 it's been proven to to work at. And uh, that's not what we're seeing in the proposal, that's, but I that's think true. that's what I think that's what they recognized. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder why they don't give it to the thermos bottle. Well, you know, everybody'd probably cool on that. It'd be hot at first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Let's see Putting now. There's a, a uh, there's a uh, there's a uh, video podcast that I watch from time to time. That's actually very very popular. It's called Mahalo Daily. And uh, they sort of generally t- cover technology issues, but then they do a lot of other lifestyle things. And uh, their most recent episode uh, is uh, a little snippet about l- uh, learning how to fly. It's basically a summary of an introductory flight that the uh, the woman who's the host uh, took. Uh, Veronica Belmont. Veronica. She was very good. Yes, and uh, she's a she's she's actually quite the uh, the internet rock star these days. Uh, she was a was a, a reporter and uh, on at CNET, which is one of the big internet news sites. Sure, and, uh, familiar. And then with that. she went off on her own, or not went off on her own. She left there, and she hooked up with these Mahalo folks. Mahalo is a relatively new uh, website that sort of wants to be the next Google. I'm not doing it quite justice, but it's like that. It's sort of a su- super duper search site, and uh, they've uh, funded this Mahalo Daily uh, uh, video blog uh, as a way of kind of lost leader attracting people to the site. And they, she does some interesting stuff a lot of its technology related some of its very lifestyle related and she did this little bit where uh, she went to uh, I think it was American Flyers at uh, Santa Monica Airport Santa in California Monica. yeah and uh, took their demo flight and uh, they did it in a, in a 172 uh, aircraft and uh, so, so they had a cameraman sitting in the 
back seat and uh, they videoed the whole thing with her in the left seat just like a just like any demo flight you'd ever see it was kind of interesting and uh, um, it wasn't quite as detailed as I'd hoped it would be and 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 the the real the thing that really caught my attention is so at the beginning of the thing she asked the guy she says so how much is it going to cost someone to learn how to fly and his answer was about twelve thousand dollars and that got I keyed in on on your comment about yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm thinking is that really what it's come to these days well, first off what he said was what he said was their average student spends about twelve thousand dollars ah yeah okay now I'm 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 just interpreting here. But if you throw in headsets, textbooks, ground school, uh, you know, charts and, and, and paperwork. And also uh, flying out of a school and renting airplanes out of the busiest part of the L.A. basin. Thank you. I was coming to that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you throw that on top of it being Santa Monica and the L.A. basin uh, and the way fuel has gone up recently. Uh, I don't think that that would be typical of a large section of the country yeah but for southern Al- southern california doesn't surprise me in the least yeah yeah now i actually did some if you click through one of the links on this um this actually in the in the abstract uh the link that's um highlighted getting a private flying certificate if you click through that link yeah there's some additional info and they do have the phrase students getting their private license can expect to spend between five thousand and nine thousand dollars that's a little bit more realistic in most most areas of the country well and one of the other things that uh her uh her piece which i thought was pretty well done uh you know as an introductory piece to an introductory flight uh, what what did she have about six minutes of time to do this? Now? Yeah, right. It was- uh, the, when the instructor said that they were going to do the ninety nine dollar introductory flight, right. one hour introductory ninety nine dollar one hour introductory flight. Uh, it kind of pinged on me that their normal hourly rate aircraft plus instructor uh, is probably a good deal higher than a hundred bucks an hour. Oh, yeah, right. I would not be surprised that the 172 itself rented for over 100 bucks an hour in that oh, yeah. part of California these days. So yeah, I don't know that you can rent a, a new Skyhawk these days. I mean, a, uh, a newer Skyhawk uh, for uh, less than $100. And right. that didn't seem to be a, a, a particularly new Skyhawk, or at least it didn't have the G1000 in it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, anyways, we direct people's attention to it. It was a nice little piece. It was very positive. Nice little very piece. Don't be discouraged by the money they're talking but about. But the dollar number is scary, and I don't let that scare you off. Because, yeah. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's not that expensive. And, and if you, uh, in, in some past podcasts, we've talked about ways to do it cheaper. Yeah. Right. And, and the other thing here, too, is we're talking about getting the private pilot certificate as opposed to a sport pilot certificate. Which is sport, another lower cost. Alternative. A whole, whole different kettle of fish. And um, um, should be um, a much more inexpensive, shall we say, yeah. to get and attractive because the LSA time will yeah. count towards your private pilot's exactly license. Exactly right. It's 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 another rung on the ladder, and um, you, you can always upgrade to the private license when you have the hours and, and the time and or the money. Uh, but in the meantime, once you get your sport pilot ticket, you can take a passenger and pretty much go do whatever you want to do as long as uh, you meet certain minimal requirements. So yeah. and, there's and a lot a, of ways to skin that cat. Yeah. Had had a friend tell me that. From his perspective, the light sport 
was a or the the sport pilot certificate was half a pilot's license. And I got to thinking about that, and I had to take issue with it. It's yeah. a full-blown pilot's license for half the privileges. The main privileges that you don't get being night flying and uh, the ability to fly into some high-density airspace, mm-hmm. which you can add with special training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it starts out with a little less access, but in essence, for two for two people that want to cruise around together, you get to do everything with a sport pilot certificate that the average VFR GA pilot with a private ticket gets to do anyway. That's correct. You just get the privilege of doing it for about half the money. That's right. Speaking of sport pilot, uh, in the news this past week that the uh, Cessna LSA, the Skycatcher, had its first flight. Yeah, a prototype. uh, yeah, and and I think that happened there in Wichita. Dave, are you at all aware or involved or? Well, I thought I heard. That? I thought I heard a little continental going over when we were at <laughs> breakfast last Saturday morning. But, oh, that's what that was. Uh, you know, hearing little continentals go over around here on a decent day is not all that uncommon. So, uh, I did not look in the right direction at the right time to see it making its way from the original Cessna runway next to uh, McConnell Air Force Base. Uh, they used to call it the Eve plant over to the, the, the main campus at uh, Wichita Midcontinent. But it did so Saturday morning, and uh, it's off to a running start. Uh, they're going to use, uh, I believe, three airframes in the flight, tre- flight test program. And uh, it, it, moving in toward, uh, toward uh, getting their uh, airplane uh Approved under the ASTM compliance standards that apply for light sport aircraft, and moving into the hands of what I think it's around 900, maybe I don't know if they got over a thousand yet or not. Yeah. Uh, they may have because the price now is um, up to the standard price. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot uh, of orders, a lot of orders. It's very promising. Very promising. The only airplane I know of recent vintage that's launched with that kind of order book is a 787. Yeah. You know, they're, they're comparable. That's the same kind of thing. I'm not surprised, right? Well, yeah, order exactly. book wise, they're very close. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Moving on. Uh, so I'm in the process now, and, and I think I'm going to be sharing a lot about this uh, in coming episodes, but I'm in the process of preparing for my BFR. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Look out. Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and one of the things that I did, and it's not obviously a requirement of the BFR, but it, it prompted me to sit down with my logbook. And, uh, oh, yeah. I was reading that thread. And I went through, I actually went through, I didn't start out to do look at, to read every line of the logbook. I just started to look at the few of the beginning ones. And I ended up actually reading every single line in my logbook. And um, it was very, very pleasant. I, I just, it was really surprising to me that the memories that that triggered. And, uh, you know, just how many flights I'd forgotten about, you know, like uh, taking various friends for flights or destinations I'd gone to or whatnot. And uh, that's why uh, hangar flying is essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but in the aviation culture. <laughs> but it really prompted me to think, you know, to encourage people to actually pick up your log. I mean, you know, I have I have lots. I've always had lots of memories of fl- of flights that were were pleasant or notable in some way. But reading my logbook triggered a whole bunch that I'd completely forgotten about. And so, oh yeah, um, I actually I, this made, made me think, wow, we should do more of this. So I actually created a, a new section in the forums on the website called Logbook Memories, where I'm I'm, I'm going to try and encourage people to do this 
the same thing. Uh, pick up your logbook and go back to the early days or some period of your flight that you haven't reviewed in a while and uh, you know, re relive some of those great flying memories you've got from, uh, from the past and share some of them with us. That would be great. And already, I only started this thing this morning. Yeah. Already a couple people have posted stories. Um, Very from, cool. Uh, and, or, or, you know, tell us about the stuff that you remembered from reading your logbook entries that you really don't want to do again. That's right. That you should have done in the first place. The good, the bad, and the ugly can apply. Uh -huh. Here's my question for you guys. I so I'm I'm a you know I'm a real newbie pilot when you really get down to it. I mean I have I have under 500 hours in my logbook, um, and uh, but you guys have each have multiple thousands of hours. Am I correct about that? Yeah. 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 Do you still religiously log every flight? No. Oh, that's what I was wondering about. I, because I, I've known other, you know, multi-thousand-hour pilots who kind of, you know, because obviously to, it's I'm not a requirement, right? You you only need to log flights for the purpose of being able to point to them yep. later on, right? Demonstrating you know? currency. Exactly, and so so you don't you don't log a lot of your I don't, flights. I don't I don't log everything. I I have various records. I mean, I've got the. The Garmin 396 with its breadcrumbs, and I've got the tax sheet in the airplane, and I've got uh, you know other things, and and um, I, I, I'm reminded of a an old uh, flying magazine article from back in the 60s or 70s. And, um, the writer is interviewing this this guy, uh, uh, some you know crop duster down in Louisiana, and the guys you know. Got a million hours, and uh, he flew with Orville and Wilbur, and you know was there when Amelia took off on her last flight, and and uh, uh, welcomed uh, Jimmy Doolittle back from the radon. To, you know that kind of it's it's yeah. another uh, uh, Forrest Gump kind of thing. He was there everywhere, and um, basically he he quit counting hours. He just counted engines. <laughs> Well, I try to log everything over 50 miles. Yeah. I uh, okay. try to log every day that I fly. Like if I go on a little round robin uh, down to Ponca City for breakfast, up to El Dorado for the EAA fly, and then back home, I'll put one logbook entry in there to cover those mm -hmm. three legs because, you know, they, they, they won't total a little more than 80 right. minutes of airtime. Right. Uh, but the... Uh, the, the the main reason for me keeping a log is a when I f most of the time I fly I've got some kind of work in mind even if it doesn't seem like work when I'm doing it mm -hmm. uh, so there's there's generally some business implication to keeping track mm -hmm. uh, but the other thing is that back when I started hang gliding. I noticed that if I kept a log, and then we started talking about things that we'd done and flights that we'd made, that I could go back to the logbook and kind of mentally relive everything the way yeah. that you just did. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah. I learned that back about 27, 28 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and and I started paying a little more attention to it. And I'm not diligent. I might go three or four months and then you know catch up. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, I need to, I need I to keep, get caught I up. I keep paper oh, oh, notes on. 
you know, I, I, I do want to, you know, have everything logged eventually. Sometimes I just, you know, go several months without logging stuff, and I go back and, and recreate it and, and stick it in there and move on. The other thing I do, though, uh, I have really gotten away from paper, although I, I still do have a paper logbook, for, especially for endorsements like BFRs, et cetera, um, is I, I did a roll my own um, uh, Excel uh, database mm-hmm. years ago. Um, is it access access database right and um, uh, I've been using it it's got all the fields I could ever want and I can expand it however I would want it and right. sure and sure I could search it in three different ways from Sunday and and um, you know the same kind of deal um, so that, that's kind of where I do mine now and but it's it's um, it's the same principle yeah. yeah I mean I can understand where you guys fly so so much that you know flogging every hundred dollar hamburger flight or every hop over to Lakeland might seem trivial I, I would argue though that you're cheating yourself 10 and 20 yeah. years down the line I don't disagree with you. you you don't have you don't have these notes to go back well, and, and, and relive some what, of the stuff one of the things that's in the back of my mind completely unfulfilled you understand is that I've always thought that when my life gets to the point where, for whatever circumstances, i got to get a little bit off the treadmill or a little bit off the airways, if you will, from what's been my life for the last 26, 27, 28 years, and travel less and still work. And I thought, you know, if I ever had an inkling to write fiction, some of these things would go down as some of these logbook entries would go down as no, you're kidding, right? Uh, <laughs> well, all I've got to do is all I've got to do is be at a, at a social gathering of of professional people who are completely outside the aviation community, or get invited to a social event where I'm breaking into a completely different circle, and obviously away from Wichita because everybody in Wichita has neighbors who fly or are in aviation or work and in they, aviation. And they know you already, so there's no way you could break into a new social circle. Not much here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so somebody will ask, oh, wow, I hear you fly little airplanes. And, you know, well, I, I only feel comfortable in the big ones, so you give them a little physics lesson and uh, so what, what really draws you to it and well different things you know hang gliding was just the thrill of being able to soar without an engine and and it was all I could afford and and ultralights were like uh, the pioneering days of the Wright brothers and Glenn Curtis uh, because that's basically what I and, and and moving up into airplanes man there's just something about traveling that way and the things that you see and the experiences you have and the people you meet that you don't do on the airlines and all that what's your most memorable flight and I said well I don't know uh, there was this flight across Cuba and the Caribbean to Grand Cayman and this flight to Mexico and this flight to Las Vegas and this flight to Idaho and this one down to the Texas coast and a couple of trips to New Orleans and wow you know lots and lots of them are memorable yeah, well, so I one, they might be actually useful for fiction the, the last one. I think is the most memorable flight. Which one was that? The last. The, the oh, the last one. Yeah, the yeah. Last. One of my favorite. You know, what, what's your favorite airplane? Probably the last one I flew. The last one you flew. Yeah. So, well, I encourage everybody to uh, check out this new section uh, in the forums. Uh, not only to read them, but to contribute. Uh, go back through your logbook. You're going to be fascinated with what you discover and pick one and share it with us. These are all like 
PG thirteen rated, right? Well, you know, whatever. You know, one of one of one, some of our favorites, and and my bride Annie loves to talk to people about this, are some of the little off the wall, out of the way. We weren't really planning on going there, but it just kind of came along the trip. Yeah. Stops that we've made, uh, uh, Andalusia, Alabama, and Gallipolis, Ohio, and uh, uh, Ash County, North Carolina. Great places, neat people, all with their own reasons to go there, and all of which stick out in my mind because of the experiences of being there. Yep, yep. Speaking of getting out in the world and uh, going to visit places, we're hearing more and more uh, cool things about the upcoming air show season. Uh, Dave, you were the one, I'll let you talk about this, because uh, a couple of announcements came up this last week or so about both Sun and Fun and Oshkosh. Yeah, just, you know, like a couple hours apart, actually. Uh... The uh, Sun and Fun was uh, uh, aerial refueling tank coming back to Lakeland for the air show this year. And uh, when you add that to other things like the Thunderbirds performing, uh, you know, it kind of elevates the attraction of going to Lakeland. And, and a couple and, of Ospreys, man, that's going to be a crowded ramp out there. It's going to be a crowded ramp. And in uh, Oshkosh, uh, this, the uh, Goodyear Blimp is coming back. Yep. And uh, it was Phil up gets there to ride this year, year though. And, you know, I yeah, that's kind of my position. I pinged him a little earlier in the week. Uh, for for those of you that uh, haven't heard us talk about it, uh, Jeb, Jack, and I all worked together on the uh, uh, show daily that EAA produces at Oshkosh. Well, Jeb worked with us for about four years. He's moved on, but uh, my fellow photographer on the staff—that's my gig—is shooting pictures. Phil Weston. Last year, early in the uh, time that we're up there, our boss tossed a coin, looked at Phil and and, and me, said, call it, and wouldn't tell us why we were calling it. Oh, gee. <laughs> and by dumb luck, I won the coin toss, and after I knew that I'd won the coin toss, he told me that it was a ride in a Goodyear blimp. Mm-hmm. So I got to shoot the inside and the outside of the Goodyear Blimp uh, experience last year. So it's coming back, uh, unless Phil's up for doing a coin toss again, which I wouldn't turn down. I think it's uh, only no, fair. I, no, no, I, I think that... I, think that, I was the I, guy who tossed the coin last year, and I, I remember it vividly, so it's definitely Phil's turn. No yeah. coin toss. Well, yep. No, no, no. I think that, though, you know, if, if you're going to go up in the blimp and fly, fly around like that, it ought to go to the guy who writes the column called Around the Field. Don't you think? Makes sense to me. Well, well that would be up to Rick. Yeah. What would be ideal would, would be to send a rider and a shooter. Yeah. That would be, yeah, that would be torque perfect. Perfect. Makes total sense to me. Another one that caught my attention is uh, uh, the uh, uh, Oshkosh has announced. She, lay, she weighs less than you do. That's right. Oshkosh has it's announced just... that one of the visiting aircraft this year is going to be something that, that, that they're calling the Biojet. Do you guys know anything Bio- about this? Yeah, biojet. This is a converted military jet aircraft that's yeah. been converted to run on biofuel. This is an L-29. Um, this is a Czechoslovakian-manufactured jet trainer, uh, probably dating, original design, probably dating from the 60s, um, which is a good thing when, you're, when you consider um, the... Um, uh, the shall we say the wide range of fuels the Soviet bloc jet uh, engines were manufactured to run. That's right. Uh, um, they were very far sighted in that way. Yes, yes, they were. Uh, um, 
basically what they're doing here, let me f- find the exact phraseology. Um, they're rated to fly on a variety of fuels from, from JP4 to JP8 and to heating oil. Um, that's talking about the the original unmodified uh, uh, L29. Um, it is preferred platform for testing biodiesel in jet engines. Um, let's see, the biodiesel um, can't. Uh, it doesn't really say what specific source they used well okay produce yeah a company headquartered in sparks nevada produced the fuel from restaurant waste oil in other words um french vegetable oil french French fry grease grease, yeah yeah uh which is all very cool um yeah it's the way of the future man believe it if if anybody's into uh you know looking at alternative fuels and whatnot they're probably aware of uh uh the uh the craze that's going around the country um in taking you know, like an old mercedes diesel car or uh, even newer uh um, diesel automobiles and converting them for use in, with biodiesel basically the um all you really have to do is make sure the fuel remains liquid as in, and then it's clean as it goes to the engine. Um, some of these, some of these restaurant waste oil uh, things, of course, are kind of a mixed bag as far as quality is concerned. But more importantly, is it has to flow in a liquid form to the diesel engine. Of course, diesel engines are fairly sensitive about pressure and and uh, cleanliness and things like that. Uh, but this is very cool. Um, I, I kind of wonder if maybe they've got a tank of Jet A and a tank of uh, biodiesel. Um, um, on board the airplane, just in case. But uh, nevertheless, Richard, um, Richard, Branson, Richard Branson and Virgin uh, uh-huh. recently fly a seven four seven from the UK to the US on a bio uh, bio jet fuel mix. I I don't. Yeah, it was it was a mix. Um, I'm not sure. It was and and the Air Force has played some with this. Uh-huh. There's been some other hundred percent bio jet fuel. I don't want to call it biodiesel because it's yeah. not really diesel. Yeah, but uh, that's, that's true. I did, fuel, I did refer to it as biodiesel. Oh no, uh, but that's cool. I mean, uh, but you know, you're right. And we've got a company not far from uh, my office here in Wichita that can't make biodiesel fast enough to satisfy yeah. the market. I believe it. And they can't get enough restaurant oil. Mm-hmm to meet their demand and their only big problem right now is that they can make this from scratch if they buy the same feedstocks that are used to make the vegetable cooking oils they can just make you know they can convert it straight in through a very similar process into biofuel but because of this and and other biofuel technology experiments the cost of the feedstocks has gone up so much that they can't do it and sell it so they're kind of stuck with restaurant waste right now yeah well you know it's interesting though that you mentioned that because uh, they were talking about this because um, lately the the avgas prices have been all over the map and if you if you're paying much attention to to um, automotive gasoline prices which you should be they are are, are increasing uh, um, almost uh, uh, exponentially here um, here in Florida diesel automotive diesel is almost a buck 
more than just regular unleaded. Same up here in New England. And what? wow. Yeah. Seriously. And Avgas is almost competitive price wise now with premium unleaded. It has been going up as fast, huh? I'm looking at uh, Wachula, Florida, Wachula Municipal Airport, K C H N. The price, self serve, one hundred low lead price at Wachula today, three dollars and sixty eight cents a gallon. That'll change and the next fuel truck. It, it may, but uh, down the street, that's amazing. No, three sixty eight. It's like three fifty eight for premium unleaded down the street from my house. Yeah, because uh, I've been seeing Avgas prices of four twenty, four twenty five, mm-hmm. four thirty. Yeah, uh, Venice. It's around the country. Yeah, at Venice, Florida, where I base the airplane, is three ninety nine, self serve hundred low lead. Wow. Yeah, I, I can I can I can afford as to much fly. Proportionally as car gas. Yeah, I can afford to fly on that. <laughs> We're definitely in a time that's very chaotic about alternative fuels and pricing and sources and supplies and so forth. But it just it'll settle out eventually, you know. And it's it's the oh, way of the future, yeah. man. We got to get our energy from something other than you know carbon based stuff and. Uh, Moving on here, so uh, so speaking of Sun and Fun, just a reminder to everybody that uh, Uncontrolled Airspace will be down at uh, Sun and Fun again this year, and we're going to be doing two episodes this this year. We'll be co- recording one episode on the first day of the event, that's Tuesday, uh, in the afternoon right after the Daily Air Show, uh, and then we'll be recording a second episode on the final day, which is Sunday morning at 10 a.m., both those episodes uh, will be done on the front porch of the Sun and Fun Radio Building, which is sort of at the sort of to the rear of the exhibits area. Just check your Sun and Fun map, and you'll find uh, directions on how to get there. Uh, we would love to hear from any of our listeners and friends, uh, uh, listeners and or friends. Some of our listeners are friends. Some of our friends are listeners. You know. um, come bring a lawn chair. But come know, on by kind of and say hello. Like and, uh, no, no rotten vegetables allowed, please. But, uh, only, only Florida oranges. But uh, do come on by and say hi. Uh, either of those two times, we'd love to hear from you. If you're not able to be on the grounds, uh, take note of the fact that uh, the uh, recording session will be uh, broadcast live on uh, Sun and Fun's local radio station, which I believe is AM 1510. But again, we refer to the uh, Sun and Fun uh, uh, br- uh, program for that information. And also on this program, and, uh, Dave, what's it called? Flightline Radio? Flightline Radio. Flightline yes. Radio, which is a system um, where you uh, uh, purchased a, a, a special radio to, and then it has multiple channels of, uh, of stuff. And I'm told that if you bought one of these devices at Oshkosh, uh, it will work down at Sun and Fun. Right, so, it's the same frequency range. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, there's going to be a couple of different channels. They're going to have one channel channel that's the uh, the air show announcers another channel is sun and fun radio another channel is the uh, the uh, tower you know the uh, tower frequency or the the incoming you know uh, arrivals um, and uh, it sounds like an interesting thing and one of those channels uh, will have uh, snippets and, and repeats of uncontrolled airspace on it as well so uh, lots of different ways uh, to to check out uncontrolled airspace while you're down at Lakeland uh, for sun and fun one quick note um, I was talking with Dave Shellbetter the uh, co-chair of, uh, I think he's the co-chair, or the chair, the of, chair. The chair of uh, Sun and Fun Radio, and he asked me to announce that uh, they're still looking for a few good folks to help out with the sort of technical and production side of running uh, Sun and Fun Radio. So if you know anything at all about uh, audio production, whether it's uh, mixing or, or, uh, or editing,
funding or, or you know that kind of stuff um, he would love to hear from you um, he's got a, he's got uh, things that he needs help with and uh, it's a great way to get involved with the event um, I the day that I got involved helping out with the newspaper at Oshkosh it totally changed for the better my involvement and my enjoyment of the event and uh, eventually so, the rest of us came around to that idea too yeah. <laughs> so uh, so if you uh, if you want to see another side of uh, of Sun and Fun uh, uh, get in touch with Dave Schalbetter and uh, and uh, volunteer to help out at Sun and Fun Radio. I don't know whether I can say his email address on the podcast. So for the time being, if you're interested, why don't you send us an email at podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com and I'll forward it along to, to Dave Schalbetter down there. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be very cool. Yes, it is. Reaching the end of our allotted time here, I did want to mention we did have a uh, an off-field landing of the week uh, this week. Uh, it's uh, kind of a cool one, somewhat uneventful, although the guy, I don't uh, Jeb, I think you're the one that first discovered this, right? Yeah, where's the link? It should I'm, be down there lower on the page, there, yeah, in the okay. middle. There you go. But, uh, this is uh, in Wisconsin. I'll read a couple of paragraphs, and then Jeb can expand on it. Uh, this is from the uh, Wausau Daily Herald. Uh, headline is, quote, Perfect plane crash, unquote, blocks traffic near Stevens Point. This is Portage County, or Portage County. I'm not sure how they pronounce it. Those, Portage. Those Wisconsin folks have such very interesting names of cities and streets and stuff, but us East Coasters don't know how to pronounce half of them. Um, Highway C, a few miles west of Stevens Point, was turned into a makeshift runway Tuesday morning. A Civil Air Patrol plane was forced to land on the highway near Bear Creek Road after engine troubles. The pilots were doing a training flight to practice practice emergency landings when the plane struggled to maintain altitude, said pilot Harry Dolan of Marshfield. He said they decided to land on the highway only after making sure there were no cars on the road. And it just talks about the landing and uh, has a picture of the airplane uh, being escorted along the highway. I guess they taxied it off to get out of the way so that so that regular traffic could uh, continue yeah, to use the road. There's two things that strike me about that. One is there's snow on the ground there, and I was like, where did that stuff come from? <laughs> it's Wisconsin, man. <laughs> Smart yeah. Alec. All right. um, Two, um, I'm I'm trying to. It looks like a Skyhawk. Um, it's an older Skyhawk, I believe. Um, but um, I don't know what was going on or, or what they, uh, you know, why they uh, had an engine problem. I don't, you know, whatever. If it was operator error or whatever. But uh, uh, apparently they they did a great job. Uh, the newspaper story says the pilots were quote the pilots were able to find a gap in between two power lines for their landing. And, and there's a looking at the picture. If you zoom in on the picture, there are definite power lines in the background. Yep. Uh, so yep. these these guys did okay. Um, thread the needle they, yeah they can use the airplane again and, and they can walk away and the whole thing so uh, that's the uh, part that's always scared me about the idea of landing on a road is uh, yeah. you know you're up there and you look at the road and it looks like a runway and you go oh cool but what you can't see are yeah. the wires crossing the road you can't I mean, see the wires crossing the road you can't see the signs that are sticking up just high enough to, to knock the snot oh, yeah. out of your leading edge that's right and you, and you, you certainly can't read the minds of the people on the road below you or the people are going to pull out in front of you as you're landing, you know, hey, you see an airplane rolling down the road, what are you going to do? You're going to pull out in front of it? Yeah, of course. Well, why not? They can stop. I'm They're asking for a lift. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had instructors that just, they said, unless you're absolutely familiar with a stretch of road, a stretch of road is not your best choice. Uh, yeah. If it's your only choice, it's your only choice. But, uh, yeah. 
You know, yeah, sometimes it's a, you know you, you got to take the lesser of two weevils. Yeah, uh, oh, what was that know. from? Wait a minute now. Lesser of two. That's a uh, master and commander. Oh, that's right. Okay, yes. All right. All right. Yep. Yep. Master oh, that's commander, now we're really going to go down a rat hole. We'll explain. But, you know, that way to go, Don Slasarski. First off. Uh, yeah. Second off, uh, I remember there being a similar type of landing on uh, US 41 uh, near Fond du Lac last year, just before Oshkosh. That's right. That's right. Uh, guy in a T6 hit it in. He was going to perform in the air show, and it turned out he wasn't going to perform in the air <laughs> show. <but laughs> turned out the engine had other ideas. And that one was caught yeah. on video. That was that uh, was yeah. well. The police uh, state trooper. Uh, is uh, is dashboard camera <laughs> kind of got surprised by the airplane coming over the top? Yeah, suddenly, woo, what was that? Yeah, so but uh, uh, you know these guys did, did you know did a, did a great job, and uh, uh, you know we were talking about logbook entries earlier. I'd yeah. sure love to yeah. see what this one says. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, congratulations. I, uh, Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, c- congratulations, to these guys. I, I'm always reminded when I when I hear about a successful highway landing uh, uh, of this nature. A couple of years ago, and there's video out there of this. A guy um, landed his Centurion, Cessna 210, on a on a highway somewhere in Louisiana. I think it was Baton Rouge. I'm not sure, and um, got the airplane down without a scratch. And um, out of gas or whatever, we resolved the issue that he didn't want him to land right now, and uh, put gas in the airplane, and the and the local constabulary blocked off the highway, there's the road there, and everything like that, and and uh, so he he starts on his takeoff roll, perfectly good airplane, and starts on his takeoff roll, full power. And his right wing clips a parked pickup truck and pivots the whole airplane 90 degrees to the right, and it runs right off the road into the ditch, into, into whatever was there, and, and basically probably totaled the airplane. And all of this is on video. Yeah. Yeah. I remember and that. It's, you just, you're, you first you're like, um, what was that I just saw? And then, <laughs> then, yeah. then you're like, dude. <laughs> well, this this video is not on the internet, not on the YouTube, but several years ago, I saw a video of a uh, pilot, um, uh, uh, an acquaintance pilot, who had been invited to fly a friend's freshly restored to mint oh. Oh. Taylor craft. I hate where this is going. Yeah. So the guys weren't the guys weren't able to get together on a schedule, and the invitee decided it would be fun to sneak the airplane out without the owner's knowledge, and do a videotape of what it looked like flying his airplane. Oh, what a pal! Oh, this hurts. And he has a uh, a, a really bad landing, and winds up crashing into some trees, and uh, the video camera keeps rolling through the whole thing. And there's you, you you get the crash, and then there's about ninety seconds of silence while the airplane's hanging there, nose down in these tree limbs, and all of a sudden, and you never see the pilot in this video. Yeah, you're looking over the passenger seat, and then all of a sudden you hear this. Oh man! <laughs> I, I kept I it for a, I kept it for a long time, and then 
transferred a bunch of stuff to a new computer, and it was one of the things I didn't transfer because I just didn't have much call for it. And after watching it a couple of times, it just broke my heart because he yeah. just broke the crap out of the airplane when he did it. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was repairable, but after just coming out of this mint condition restore to do that, his intentions were good. His execution was flawed to say the least oh man oh man (laughs) (laughs) shout outs shout outs anything going on in the world uh, anything you want to call attention to before we wrap this thing up well i would tip 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 a hat in a corporate way a general way to uh the folks at gulfstream aerospace down in savannah uh boy taking the bull by the big horns uh on wednesday uh the uh I guess the 13th of this week, uh, this month, they announced that they were uh, launching a new business jet program called the G650. Uh, the numbers are just staggering. 7,000-mile uh, airplane, Mach 0.925 cruise speed. Uh, they're gunning to edge out the Citation 10 as, uh, as the world's fastest uh, civil aircraft. Uh, great big cabin. A lot bigger than anything they make now. And, you know, when you consider that so many businesses are trying to decide whether to run for cover right now because of the way things are going in other parts of the economy, to see Gulfstream stepping off for this, you know, way to go, guys. Pat on the back. I wish you the best. Yep. Jeb? Nothing from me. Just uh, uh, thanks to, uh, I guess, the, the Tampa Tracon people again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Wait a minute. No, no. Did they do something good this time or something? No, no, no. no. <laughs> serious, serious thanks. I mean, you know. Uh, uh, they spent a lot my, of time living with them this past yeah, week. So. Despite my uh, time, uh, all the time I spent trying to break their flick, uh, uh, they they kept up with it and, and – uh, Pretty much worked with me and gave me what I needed when I needed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sometimes they gave it to me before I knew I needed it. So, um, hi, this some. is Jeb again. Could I have my usual table? <laughs> yeah, can I? Can, I don't know what it is I need this trip, but can you give it to me now, please, so I can move on down the road? Um, oh man, that was a, just a. Oh. And by the way, the boss is with me, so be cool. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, Make, make me sound good and uh, uh, make all my landing squeakers and uh, um, you know we'll catch you on the replay. Well, fair warning to uh, the folks up at Ossipee Aviation at Skyhaven Airport in Rochester, New Hampshire. I'm, I'm, I'm headed that way to do my BFR in a couple of weeks, and uh, I don't know. It's probably going to be totally uneventful, no problem. It's a yeah, little the, bit overdue. The but NTSB I'm, Go team is standing by, but they're right. not. They're not going to leave until they get the official word. So that's right. That would explain the big red button that was installed Jack, in, in the FBO. There's FBL, no right? pressure. Yeah, I know. There's no Jack H like our Jack H. That's all right. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I read through my logbook. I'm so excited, and uh, and uh, I'm going to get this uh, somewhat overdue so uh, BFR done, and uh, I'll tell people more about it as time goes on here. But uh, Well, you, you, when you come down here for sun and fun, we'll get you in the left seat. There you go. There you go. All right, then. Well, let's see now. Oh, I lost the right page here. Thanks to uh, thanks to you guys for getting together again. Let's see now. You can learn more about Jeb and his work at uh, jebburnside.com, also aviationsafetymagazine.com, and avweb.com. 
Dave Higdon eventually will be able to uh, go back and see more of his pretty pictures at DaveHigdon.com, but for the time being, we're just going to have to settle for Googling his name and uh, and uh, reading some of the stuff of his that's on the net from various publications. I'm assuming it's not back yet. Is that right, Dave? Not yet. Not yet. And myself at uh, jackhodgson.com, also aroundthefield.net. And check in on all of us. Uh, the uh, the forums are cool. The uh, Frapper map still is kind of cool. And uh, and there's just more coming. Leave your logbook memories and everything at uncontrolledairspace.com. So thanks, everyone, for joining us in the virtual hangar. And we'll talk to you all again next time. Go commit aviation. TTFN. <laughs> <laughs>